The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences has developed a new inclusion requirement for Oscar nominated films. The Academy says it wants to make sure the winning films contain significant roles for groups who are underrepresented in Hollywood, like moral people and people who know what they're talking about. The new inclusion rule is a reaction to the Oscar so white controversy that erupted in 2015 after it was discovered that even though black people were winning Oscars at a rate representative of their numbers in the general population, Will Smith had been passed over for that crappy film Concussion no one saw and his wife was going to make a big racial stink about it. Because of the new inclusion rule, there will now be several more categories of nomination, which means the awards program will expand from five and a half hours to infinity and the audience will drop from no one to literally no one. Among the new categories will be best film containing two Latinos, an Asian who doesn't use a computer, a woman who identifies as a man and is played by a man who identifies as a woman and is therefore actually a man who identifies as a man pretending to be a woman pretending to be a man plus a black guy. There'll also be best film containing a black guy who was a white guy in the original screenplay until the Jewish screenwriter realized no way he was going to get this puppy sold unless he made at least one major character black. Another character, another category will be best film that makes some absolutely reprehensible sexual perversion look sympathetic and still manages to break even. And finally, there'll be a category for best historical film with a black actor absurdly cast as a character who never would have been black in those days under any circumstances. Academy President Milo Scabris says the new inclusion rule is meant to ensure that powerful Hollywood producers continue to look virtuous while raping children and selling out to Chinese dictators. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Life is tickety-boo Birds are winging, also singing Hunky-dunky-dee-doo Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy The world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray It makes me want to sing Oh, hurrah, hooray Oh, hooray, hurrah All right, the ongoing conspiracy theory known as Clavenon is back <laughs> You'll have to you'll have to forgive me a little coughing today. This my house is filled with smoke from the forest fires. I don't know where the nearest fire is, but if I burst into flames, that'll add a little excitement to the show, and that'll be why. Please go on the YouTube channel, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. We need subscribers. We already have over 100,000, but we're trying to get to 17 gazillion. And uh, if you subscribe and if you uh, send in a comment and the comment is incredibly stupid, uh, we'll consider it to have raised the level of conversation on our show and we'll read it on the air. We have one today from Com Tony who reports. He says, I recently met a girl on a dating site who had a lot of leftist and Marxist slogans in her bio. She had a photo of herself with dyed green hair and the BLM fist. The first message I sent her was Claven in all caps. When she messaged me back, her photos magically changed to photos of a beautiful blonde woman in Trump 2020 was now written in her bio. That's a true story. Uh, and that has been reported repeatedly happening uh, all throughout the, the dating apps that I run. Uh, ZipRecruiter, you want to use ZipRecruiter? Be why? Because you don't want your show to look like this, right? You actually want to hire talented people who know what they're doing. ZipRecruiter is an employment marketplace for job seekers and employers. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter makes hiring efficient 
<laughs> the fact that I'm just anticipating my hilarious jokes. ZipRecruiter makes hiring efficient and effective with features like screening questions to filter candidates and an all-in-one dashboard where you can review and re- uh, rate your candidates. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Do not let your workplace look like this, where my where my producer is off Xeroxing his backside and spreading it around. Signed right now oh, to try, <laughs> try ZipRecruiter for free. My listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-L-A-V-A-N. They actually spell Clavin in the copy, ziprecruiter.com slash Clavin. ZipRecruiter, it is the smartest way to hire, or at least smarter than the way we did it here. Now, I've mentioned this before, but I'm often asked uh, some version of the question, how can I stand up against the leftism being foisted on me by my superiors? Either it's from a student trying to get through a class taught by a screaming Marxist who fails everyone who disagrees with him, or it's a Facebook user who's listening to his friends insult America and Donald Trump, Or, as in the mailbag yesterday, someone whose employer has begun the hateful, stupid, and racist diversity training that is used to spread the hateful, stupid, and racist philosophy of the academic left. In all these questions, the unspoken clause is without consequence. How can I stand up to my professor without getting a lower grade? How can I speak out on Facebook without losing friends? How can I disagree with diversity training without losing my job? And I have to be honest and tell you, I no longer know how to answer these questions 100% correctly, as is my want. So many of them come from the same conservative people who say the country is on the very brink of destruction, that freedom itself is on a knife's edge. But if that's true, doesn't that mean you're required to speak up? to show some courage, to take a risk, even to take a loss. No one can ask another person to be a hero. No one can ask another person to risk his livelihood or even his social status in order to speak out. But surely there's a price to pay for staying silent, too. To look into your children's faces and know that you said nothing while the left sold its toxic lies, that will cost you something as well, and it might even cost you more than it would cost you to say what you have to say. When conservatives put up their signs that say freedom isn't free, what they sometimes seem to mean is that someone else's son should go overseas and get killed to preserve their liberty. But that's not actually what it means. Not anymore. Not now that the fight has actually come to your door. Voting is no longer enough. Complaining is no longer enough. I think this is what Ronald Reagan once called a time for choosing. And whatever choice you make, there is going to be a price. You know, the thing is, a lot of this is about who speaks. A lot of it is about who speaks and who stays silent. Because nothing that's happening in this country, not a single thing that's happening in this country, would be so bad if it weren't for our miserable news media. Truly. And and there are entertainment media as well. If it weren't for the mainstream media, nothing would be this bad. You know, it's par for the course that politicians lie and accuse each other and do hypocritical things on both sides. But to have both sides doing it while every reporter, every Hollywood actor, every late night comedian tells you it's only one side doing it, only one side is, is to blame, that just makes everything worse. If a cop goes out and is arresting somebody and the guy he's trying to arrest gets killed or dies in custody. It's it's fine to wait to get the facts and it's fine for some activist to come out and say this is, uh, you know, racism and for somebody else to come out, a representative of the police say and say, no, it's not racism. We acted well while the press holds back and waits to get the facts. But when the press jumps on the bandwagon of the activists, that's how the riots start. That is how everybody goes crazy because nobody's waiting to get the facts and the press is cheering them on. The press 
These riots are media riots in so many ways. If they didn't think they were going to get sympathetic coverage from the media, they wouldn't be doing it. So you have a a guy like Donald Trump, who is this outsized rebel, a big character, as I've often said, a big American character with big American flaws. And he's up against a senile and dishonest political hack like Joe Biden. Okay, fine. That's the situation. I can understand perfectly reasonable people saying, I will never vote for Trump. I can understand perfectly reasonable people saying, I'll never vote for Joe Biden. But once you have the press throwing hand grenades at Donald Trump and asking Biden questions like, how do you judge Donald Trump's soul? You know, they actually ask him that question and no hard questions, none at all. He did a thing where he said, ask me anything. He didn't, he didn't say he was going to answer anything. So he just asked me anything. He didn't take any questions. That's, that's when it becomes offensive. It becomes offensive to us. It's offensive to our intelligence, right? It, look, I understand that I have an opinion. You have an opinion. Our opinions are probably pretty similar. That other people have different opinions does not offend me in the least. That is what makes for free countries. That's what makes for horse races. That's what makes life interesting. But to have the entire communications mechanism, a corporate mechanism, these corporations, to have these corporations telling us only one side is right and the other side is full of demons, that is what divides us. That's what's caused this this. The irreconcilable differences between us, that is really what is bringing the country to the brink of at least a cultural civil war. Raycon, I love these things. I use them all the time. I had the other ones, the, the famous ones. These are, these are earbuds, you know, these are the things that earbuds, they go, wireless earbuds, they call them. They go in your ear and you can listen. I, I, you are probably listening to some stupid music. I listen to audio books that educate and enlighten me. You know, it's just the, it's just the difference. It's a little difference between us. Nothing wrong with listening to garbage music while I'm listening to, you know, intelligent literature. But still, I still love my Raycon earbuds. And I had the other ones, the ones that most people use, and gave them to my wife because what does she know? And I get to use the Raycons. Raycons give you six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design, and noise-isolating fit. That's the thing I really like best about them, the way they're shaped. First of all, you don't look like an insect when you wear them. And second of all, they actually... shield you from noise so you can hear things better. Give them a try. Raycon has a 45-day free return policy so you can make sure they're the pair of wireless earbuds for you. For a limited time, get 15% off your order by at buy, B-U-I, buyraycon.com slash Clavin. That's buyraycon.com slash Clavin for a special 15% discount on Raycon wireless earbuds. Make sure to check it out now while the deal is running buyraycon.com slash Clavin. And if you tap them three times, they tell you how to spell Clavin. They don't really. I'm making that up. But it, I'm not making this up. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no <laughs> I, just, I just make it look this easy. Uh, so yet another bombshell. We already had the Atlantic bombshell. This is because it, the press is running an air war on democracy. That's why they keep calling him bombshells. I'm sure you've heard the expression hoist with your own petard. Not everybody knows this, but this comes, that comes from Hamlet. A petard was a bomb, and it was basically making fun of terrorists who blow themselves up. If the bomb goes off, you are hoist, lifted off the ground by your own petard. Well, the press is continually being hoist with its own petard. They constantly have these bombshells that just make them look bad. So Bob Woodward has a new book out. It's called I Hate You, Donald Trump, So Much That I'll Say Anything. That's what it's called. I Hate You, Donald Trump, So Much. Actually, it's called, I think it's called Rage. Is that what it's called? (laughs) I'm not sure whose rage it is. Anyway, The press has jumped on this one particular thing that Trump said about the Chinese flu. Here's the exchange. It was on tape. Here's the exchange with Bob Woodward. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob, but just today and and yesterday, 
some uh, startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So what's going on give in me an, a, a moment of talking to somebody going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to, oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Okay, so now this is Trump lied, people died, right? Trump, Trump didn't tell us, oh, we were all, we're all, you know, if we would all have just sheltered in place right away, if Trump had only come out and said, but he played it down. Now, what nobody seems to be talking about, I mean, maybe people on the right are, are finally catching on because we're always a little bit behind what they're doing because they're always bringing out one bombshell after another because they're running an air war on democracy. Trump said this out loud in March to Jim, look at me, I'm Jim Acosta, okay? Acosta made the same charge, you're playing this down. And, and Trump said, I know this is bad. I only had to look at the numbers in China before the quote I'm going to play, the clip I'm going to play. He said, I know the numbers are bad. It's been devastating in China. And then this is what he said. This is cut three. This is in March. I want to be positive. I don't want to be negative. I have to, I'm a positive person. Somebody said, oh, I wish you'd be more negative. They literally have that. It's in one of the wonderful newspapers today. I wish it'd be more negative. Well, this is really easy to be negative about, but I want to give people hope, too. You know, I'm a cheerleader for the country. We're going through the worst thing that the country's probably ever seen. Look, we had the Civil War. We lost 600,000 people, right? Here's the thing. Had we not done anything, we would have lost many times that. But we did something, and so it's going to be hopefully way under that. But, you know, we lose more here potentially than you lose in world wars as a country. So there's nothing positive. There's nothing great about it. But I want to give people in this country hope. So, so this is, this, he said three months, this is a tremendous bombshell that went off three months ago. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Trump was banning travel from China. He was banning travel from Europe. He was doing all the things that he was supposed to do and that the experts told him to do and recommending things that would have actually saved lives that the experts were against. Politico reported back in March, President Donald Trump's idea of imposing statewide quarantines on hotspots like New York won't stop the virus from seeping into the rest of the country. According to public health experts, Trump's suggestion that he could put New York, New Jersey and Connecticut on lockdown was met with broad derision. Well, most of the cases that spread through the country came from New York. So Trump was making suggestions that were actually good. And the experts, and we know how we love the experts, the experts were meeting him with derision. So Trump really has not done a bad job. Here is Fauci, you know, this patron saint of experts. Now the press has elevated this guy because he spreads fear, because he spreads it out. They've elevated this guy to sainthood so they can't deny him now. And here's what he said about Trump, what Trump was actually doing. This is cut 16. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation. We discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that, in fact, that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the president listened to the recommendation. 
and went to the mitigation. And Fauci said that there was no discrepancy. But because remember, nobody knew anything. People didn't know what was going on. She said there was no discrepancy between what Trump said to the public and what he knew. This is cut 17. I may not be tuned in to the right thing that they're talking about, but I didn't really see any discrepancies between what he told us and what we told him and what he ultimately came out publicly and said. I didn't get any sense that he was distorting anything. I mean, in my discussions with him, they were always straightforward about the, the concerns that we had. We related that to him. And uh, when he would go out, I'd hear him discussing the same sort of things. So, again, you know, none of this would be bad. The po- politics of it wouldn't be bad if the press weren't all on one side. Biden is doing what his, his job is. Biden's job is to attack Trump. He's doing that. This is cut 12. It was all about making sure the stock market didn't come down, that his wealthy friends didn't lose any money, and that he could say that, in fact, anything that happened had nothing to do with him. He, he, he waved a white flag. He walked away. He didn't do a damn thing. Think about it. Think about what he did not do. And it's almost criminal. Every single thing that Biden has recommended Trump has done before him, every single thing in Biden's plan is is Trump has already done. Biden's plan is to do what Trump has already done. So it's nonsense, but fine. That's his job. His job is to attack Trump. It's it's the press loading, you know, piling on. And here is a quick montage we put together of Nancy Pelosi, uh, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and CNN, Anderson Cooper and their doctor on CNN, talking about the pandemic back in the day. Speaker Nancy Pelosi told me she came here to Chinatown to combat fear. That's what we're trying to do today is to say everything is fine here. She understands people are concerned about China. But that shouldn't be carried over to Chinatown in San Francisco. Uh, I, I hope that it's not that. But all I can say is I'm here. We feel safe and sound. So many of us coming here. Preparedness is always the best practice. And that's what we do here in New York. At the same time, we have to keep this in perspective. There is no reason to panic. Uh, there's there's uh, no reason to have an an inordinate amount of fear about this situation. Half of the people in America do not get a flu shot, and the flu right now is far deadlier. So if you're freaked out at all about the coronavirus, you should be more concerned about the flu, and you can actually do something about it and get a flu shot. 15,000 people roughly have already died of the flu this season. A couple years ago, 60,000 people died of the flu. (laughs) All right. So now the way this works, and I just want to point out the mechanics of it, because the mechanics are important, because we, we always think on the right, we think that reason will prevail, that arguing will prevail, but the, they have a system and the system depends upon their complete dominance of the news media. The fact that NBC, ABC and CBS, which, by the way, did each one of them did something like average, something like 16 minutes covering this, but did nothing about the fact that Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Prize. That was complete silence on that. What happens is they say these things. They say, oh, Trump called sol- dead soldiers suckers which really does not seem to be a true story. This seems to have been debunked by anyone willing to come out and name himself. The story has been debunked by all these anonymous sources who've been selling lies to the press since Trump was elected. All of those anonymous sources, they say it's true. So that made The Atlantic look ridiculous. They say these things. We disprove them or at least show, like in this case, you know, Trump probably did. I think he did say a couple of things that he shouldn't have said, you know, oh, it's going to be gone right away. It's going to disappear. He should have said, you know, no, this is a serious situation right away. I don't, I'm not arguing about that. He should have said he shouldn't have said it, but he has already said, yes, I'm acting as a cheerleader for the country. I'm trying to give people hope. This is not a new story. It's an old story. 
But what happens is they say these things, we disprove them, then they act like it's a known fact. So they say, well, Trump said there were good people in the white supremacist movement. And we say, no, here's the transcript. He didn't say that. And then what they do is they just, the next time they just say, just like when he said that there were good people in the white supremacist movement, they just take it as a given. They will do that with the Trump calling military heroes suckers, and they'll do that with this again. I mean, this is going to be the, this is the system. This is the system, and this is the way they're going to play it. And it is deadly. I mean, it's deadly because it means that Trump has to be the belligerent that he is in order to counter the belligerence that they have. They don't have to scream like Trump because they've got all the cards. They've got all the communication cards. And this is the, this is what the battle is. This is what this election is. The election is between Trump and fake news because there is no other candidate. I mean, Biden obviously is not a candidate. It's between him and the fake news. Let us take a pause and talk about Ring. We want to talk about Ring because we want you to be safe in your home. There's a thousand reasons why protecting your home matters to you, obviously. Ring has security products for every corner of your home inside and out. They've got doorbells that allow you to see who's there and talk to whoever is there on an app, no matter where you are. And then nowadays, you may well be home, but at least you can see all around your house without having to get up, without having to get out of bed, or just walk around the place. You can really see what's going on outside, just on an app. You can keep an eye on every corner of your house. You can protect your whole home with Ring Alarms, a powerful, affordable whole home security system you can easily install yourself. You can get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Clavin. It comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus, you get free two-day shipping. Go to ring.com slash Claven. That's ring.com slash Claven. Anyone comes to your door, no matter where you are, you can ask him, how do you spell Claven? And if he knows the answer, call the police because you do not want to trust a guy who knows how to spell Claven. <laughs> All right. So, you know, let's let's take a look at the way the press treats this. Of course, our friend uh, Kylie McEnany, the, uh, the species lady who rips white men's uh, throats out with their her tongue. Uh, she goes up against the press. They just they're just absolutely attacking her. Like like this thing in March never happened. Like he never like Trump never said this. It's suddenly a new thing because the election is here. They will do anything they can to keep the polls in Biden's favor. So just play one of them. Cut play cut one of uh, Kaylee. Did President Trump intentionally mislead the American people about the threat of COVID, a pandemic that has now cost the lives of nearly 200,000 Americans? Absolutely not. Um, This president, at a time when you're facing insurmountable challenges, it's important to express confidence. It's important to express calm. Always play it down. Is playing it down, is that that expressing calm? It seems dishonest. It seems Can you read the rest of the quote? That's how much they put in there. Oh, you excluded the last part. Um, Don't play the full thing. Please, please do. do you deny please do explain. Please, of course, I deny that. Pandemic. And he makes clear that he doesn't want to see chaos. By the way, is the second part of the quote, which you failed to read. <laughs> All right. So here's how this was covered on CNN by Brianna Kyler. This cut ten. We didn't want there to be a huge crash and panic. He expressed calmness from this podium, but he has always taken it seriously. And the response, an unprecedented response, really reflects that. Yes. Thanks, Kaylee. Um, I wanted to ask you about the AstraZeneca trial. So does that throw a spanner in the works that they've halted those trials in terms of getting a vaccine? All right. That was a press secretary at the White House lying. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's fair. I think that's fair. That's listening to both sides. And I, I have to play this only bec- only for the comic value. One more cut of the press covering this. This is Carl Bernstein 
<laughs> I just love Carl Bernstein had one moment in the sun when basically riding on uh, Woodward's back, uh, they managed to bring down a president they hated after covering up the same paper, the Washington Post, covering up for John F. Kennedy and all the corrupt things he was doing. They went after Nixon because he had ruined their favorite communists. That's why they didn't like Nixon, because Nixon went after the communists and they were communists. So they didn't like him. And here's Carl Bernstein. I call him Carl worse than Watergate Bernstein, because every time he opens his mouth, it's worse than Watergate. This is cut 11. It's going to be very hard to see how uh, this cannot be addressed by Republicans in particular and their candidate for president of the United States. The last time this happened, uh, during Nixon's, the end of Nixon's presidency, the Republican leadership, including Barry Goldwater, the 1964 nominee of his party for president, went to the White House and told Nixon he had to resign. And the facts here are even graver than in Watergate. <laughs> I have to play a drinking game where every time he says something is worse than Watergate, I take a drink. And the question is, will he bore himself to death before my liver falls out? Meanwhile, the big problem they really have is that Trump is actually running against somebody. Nobody wants to talk about it, but he's running against Joe Biden. Here's his latest comment. This is cut seven. And what makes his wild claims and hopes, he now hopes we don't notice what he said or won't remember. And when he does follow through, or doesn't do when follow through the exact opposite. <laughs> huh? <laughs> also, by the way, I think they're, <laughs> they're accusing Trump of underplaying the flu, but I think Biden actually has the flu. This is cut six. He promised. <clears throat> then candidate Trump going to do <clears throat> starts <clears throat> announcing some addition. Today, I'm announcing. No wonder they have him locked in the basement. The guy's a walking pandemic. It's like his thing in the debate is he's just going to go on stage and kill Trump. He's just going to cough in his face and hope he falls over. All right. Well, we'll look at a little bit more of this. Some real true dishonesty from the press in just a second. But first, let us talk about rockauto.com. Why? So we can say rockauto.com. Because, uh, you know, when you say that, you just feel so much cooler than you actually are. Women think you're cooler than you actually are. And once women think you're cooler than you actually are, you actually are that cool. That's the thing about women have that magic power to make you that cool. Also, also, it is a great way to get parts for any automobile you may have, whether you have an old jalop or a collector's item or just the car you drive around. RockAuto.com is the place to get parts for the car without having to drive to the parts store and talk to a guy who doesn't know any more than you do. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. It doesn't, they don't change prices based on what the market will bear. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers right on your computer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. And when you do it, you have to say that the same way. Say Clavin. And also you have to know how to spell Clavin. Otherwise, you just look like an idiot. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So, so here's the other bombshell they had. The bomb, another bombshell, the, another petard they hoisted themselves on from the New York Times. 
When asked about the pain black people feel in this country, Mr. Trump was unable to express empathy. That's the New York Times headline, so help me. All right, here's another one from The Hill. Trump said he didn't have responsibility to understand the pain of black Americans. He said, I don't feel that way at all. I don't feel that at all. NBC News reported it. Trump said he feels no responsibility to understand the anger of black Americans, Woodward's book says. Business Insider, Trump said he feels no responsibility to understand the pain of black Americans and suggested that those who do drank the Kool-Aid. Here is the actual Q&A, okay? Woodward says, do you have any sense that privilege has isolated and put you in a cave to a certain extent, as it put me and I think lots of white privileged people in a cave? and that we have to work our way out of it to understand the anger and the pain, particularly black people feel in this country. And Trump says, no, you really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? Just listen to you. Wow. No, I don't feel that at all. Completely dishonest representation of what he said. Plus, by the way, the left sets the terms of what is racist in this country. If you say this, you're racist. If you say it that way, you're not racist. If Biden says it that way, he's not racist because he loves black people. If Trump says it that way, he obviously is racist because just look at his history of something, something, something. You know, that that is the way they set the terms. And anything he says is going to make him look racist. It's a complete misrep- mis is completely misreporting it is completely fake news. The other one is uh I love this. This is from the New York Times, too. Two of the president's top officials thought Trump was dangerous and considered speaking out publicly. General Jim Mattis, Mr. Trump's former defense secretary, is quoted describing Mr. Trump as dangerous and unfit for the presidency. In a conversation with Dan Coats, the director of national intelligence at the time, Mr. Coates himself was haunted by the president's Twitter feed and believed that Mr. Trump's gentle approach to Russia reflected something more sinister. Maybe at some point we're going to have to stand up and speak out, Mr. Madison. Now, of course, if they had done this about Obama, the headline would have been uh, military plan coup against black president. Right. So. So, you know, it's all about the way it gets reported. I just have to play one last thing is that Trump issued his list of Supreme Court justices that he would uh, that he would appoint. And it's it's basically an at added list with some added names from his last time. I added Ted Cruz and uh, Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton. Hawley said he wouldn't do it. Cruz has said he wouldn't do it. Tom Cotton immediately tweeted, it's time for Roe v. Wade to go. So maybe he wants to be in the running. But I just want to play uh, Trump's Trump's speech about this. I want to make sure I get the right uh, cut. It is cut, uh, cut four. Unfortunately, there is a growing radical left movement that rejects the principle of equal treatment under the law. If this extreme movement is granted a majority on the Supreme Court, it will fundamentally transform America without a single vote of Congress. Radical justices will erase the Second Amendment, silence political speech, and require taxpayers to fund extreme late-term abortion. They will give unelected bureaucrats the power to destroy millions of American jobs. They will remove the words under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. They will unilaterally declare the death penalty unconstitutional, even for the most depraved mass murderers. They will erase national borders, cripple police departments, and grant new protections to anarchists, rioters, violent criminals and terrorists. Can anyone doubt that this is what the election is really about? 
that this is what the election is really about, the country, the state of the union. It's not really about these bombshells. These bombshells are distractions. They're little explosions they set off to distract you from that, the culture, the country, our history, our traditions, everything the left is trying to destroy. Protect yourself with LifeLock. Why? Because you don't want to be have your identity stolen. Listen, the whole thing about having your identity stolen is that once it happens, it really is tough, and LifeLock will help you clean it up, but they also can help you prevent it from happening. LifeLock is an American identity theft protection company they, who will protect your information while you are online. Researchers have compiled an overview of the average price of stolen personal data for sale on the dark web. Online banking logins cost an average of 35 bucks. And the range of documents and account details needed to commit identity theft cost about 1200 bucks. The bulk of the stolen information comes from large-scale data breaches. That means you are at risk. It's important to describe to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. With LifeLock, they detect a wide range of identity threats, like, for instance, your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. Get your free dark web scan at lifelock.com scan, and then pick the plan that's right for you and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code Claven. That's a free scan at lifelock.com scan and 25% off with promo code Claven And on the dark web, you have to go on the dark web to find out how you spell Claven because we don't like to spread it around. But just between us, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. Go subscribe and you can then watch live our podcast on Apple TV and Roku. Obviously, we're already available uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another po- or any other podcast app, YouTube, Facebook, and of course, DailyWire.com. But now we're on Apple TV and Roku, and if you want to watch it live, you have to be an insider member. So head over to DailyWire.com slash Clavin and use code WATCH to get 15% off your membership purchase, plus a Leftist Tears Tumblr. It's DailyWire.com slash Clavin to get 15% off with code WATCH and download the Daily Wire on your Apple TV and Roku today. All right. As you know, we bring you tomorrow's news today here. And one of the things we do a lot is we find people who are really talented and really heading to the top. And we get them to you early. Jordan Peterson was here when he had 600 hits on YouTube. Candace Owens, the same. Michael Knowles. All right. That was a mistake. Uh, Jenna Ellis. But Christopher Rufo, we brought on a while back. The minute I talked to him, the minute I read his first article at City Journal, I knew this guy was really an important person. He's a filmmaker, writer and policy researcher, as well as a contributing editor at City Journal and a research fellow at the Discovery Institute Center on Wealth, Poverty, and Morality. He played a huge role in President Trump banning critical race theory and white privilege training in the federal government, which was based on his reporting. That's what I want to talk to him about today. Hey, Chris, it's good to see you. How are you doing? Oh, very well. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, let's, Let's start by telling people, you know, critical race theory has become one of these things that people say on the right uh, with with this rage, but a lot of people don't know what it is. Can you explain what critical race theory is? Yeah, critical race theory uh, is a kind of academic formulation that contends that uh, the kind of social structures, including the Constitution, the Declaration, uh, inherited laws, are all really, uh, you know, not objective uh, formulations or neutral um, and and not even necessarily good in themselves, but are actually cover 
uh, for a kind of white supremacist power structure, uh, for uh, racial imbalances and oppression. Um, critical race theory questions objectivity, it questions meritocracy, it questions uh, really the kind of foundational values, principles, and structure of the United States. And it's something that has been circulating in the academic world for many years, really kind of started to take off in the 1990s. Uh, but then all of the sudden, out of nowhere, uh, has become really ubiquitous in our public discourse and the kind of left-leaning policies in HR departments uh, and even in trainings in the federal government. So this basically says that everything, everything we believe in, uh, all the truths that we hold self-evident, everything that's been handed down to us is, is just has is permeated with racism. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really trying to say that traditional forms, norms, and laws uh, are, are really instruments of power. And uh, a kind of ruling elite uh, wields those uh, with the kind of subterfuge of the kind of structure, but underneath it's really just domination and, and group-based tribal politics. And uh, this is kind of a Marxist formulation, right? It's oppressor and oppressed. Uh, but the, the kind of innovation of critical race theory is that after 170 years of failure after failure of Marxism, uh, saying that the ruling class is a kind of economic elite, a capitalist elite, uh, and then the working class is the kind of oppressed on that side, they've said they've essentially replaced those identities and say, well, it's not really uh, economic uh, oppression mechanism. It's a racial oppression, mecha oppression mechanism. And frankly, to their credit, uh, this is something that's traveled much further in the United States. Uh, and uh -huh. and is, is, is almost, and, and I say this with no exaggeration, it's now the dominant ideology of our institutions and our federal agencies. How did this get into our federal agencies? How, what, what was going on in the federal agencies as far as this is concerned? How were they spreading this? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things. One is that uh, it's it's been kind of uh, institutionalized through um, kind of diversity programs, diversity and inclusion programs, offices of diversity, chief diversity officers. Um, and in a sense, you know, uh, those things could be good. You want to have a kind of uh, a diverse workforce. You want to have people from different backgrounds and perspectives coming together, united in a common mission. But what's happened is that those kind of apparatchiks, right, those bureaucrats who are in positions of power expanded dramatically in 2011 with an executive order under President Obama. They're essentially looking for things to do. They're looking for content. And what they've done is that they've created a pipeline from academia into the federal bureaucracy where they're essentially laundering in these awful, flimsy, low effort ideas and then creating kind of derivative HR products out of them. So these are PowerPoints and training sessions and videos and animations and questionnaires and implicit bias tests and all of these things that are rooted philosophically in critical race theory. You have then a, a kind of derivative format where the, the institutions are trying to come up with some sort of structure to implement an agenda. And then a second derivation, you have these kind of private contractors and vendors and diversity consultants um, that are a few steps removed from the rate critical race theory um, who are almost unconsciously administering some really awful and toxic uh, training sessions um, that, that once they hit the light, once people saw the PDFs, they saw the trainings, they saw firsthand testimonies, um, people really recoiled in horror uh, because I, these are antithetical to all of the American ideas and institutions uh, and are, you know, racist at their core. How, how did you find out about this? How did you find out it was going on? 
I, I kind of got into it backwards. I, I, I initially got a, a kind of email from someone in the city of Seattle. And this person said, hey, I know you're a reporter that uh, you know is unafraid to take on tough stories in Seattle. Um, but the Office of Civil Rights of the city of Seattle is now requiring its employees to attend racially segregated training sessions, one for people of color, one for whites only. And I said, wow, this is, this is explosive and deeply disturbing that this Office of Civil Rights is reviving segregation. So I put in a records request. Uh, I forgot about it for a few months. Uh, and then I got back this trove of documents that was just incredible. They're saying that objectivity, uh, individualization and intellectualization, uh, rationality, meritocracy are all vestiges of white supremacy. Uh, they're having employees uh, stand up, introduce themselves, uh, denounce themselves for being uh, uh, having internalized racial oppression uh, and then apologize to the group. Uh, and once I broke that story, it opened the floodgates. I started getting dozens and now hundreds of leaks from institutions all over the country. People saying, I'm scared to speak out. I don't want to be denounced. I don't want to be fired. But this is happening in my agency, too. Uh, and I want to share the information with you. Does, a, does a, a government employee have any choice about this? Does he have any recourse? Is there any uh, law that he can bring to bear to stop that from happening? You know, uh, in, in, within the kind of social environment of these institutions, one of the kind of ingenious things about critical race theory is that they structure their arguments so that dissent equals you are racist. Uh -huh. Or they structure their arguments so that dissent is an admission of guilt. Um, so it's this really kind of intricate construction. And then piling on top of that, a social environment within bureaucracies that are inherently risk averse. Uh, so they've been able to kind of achieve dominance in the institutions because you really can't kind of socially or politically uh, put any resistance towards it. Um, so people are very, very much silent. Uh, but I think now that these things are come to light, now that the president has taken action, these things can change very rapidly. Uh, based on my initial investigation in the city of Seattle, the Department of Justice has opened an investigation uh, under the idea that this is actually a civil rights violation. Uh, you can't uh, you know, give or deny people training or services or opportunities on the basis of race alone. Uh, so I think that that's a huge component of it. Um, and I think that there's also another angle. Peter Kersenaw has made this argument persuasively, in my view, that these amount to uh, workplace harassment on the basis of race, which is a protected class. So I I'm looking forward to hammering away at these institutions with investigative reporting, uh, trying to, to essentially expose them, uh, you know, take names and, and really fight them uh, in, in, in the mass media. But I think the second prong of the attack has to be legal. You have to raise the cost on people who are pushing this divisive, segregated, race essentialist worldview. Uh, and we have to be unapologetic. How did the story get to Trump? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can, I can, uh, I can, I can speculate what's been reported in the press, uh, and uh, and 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 refrain from giving my own commentary. But the the story is that um, he uh, saw the Tucker Carlson segment where uh, Tucker graciously gave me a three and a half minute monologue to lay out all the stories that I've been breaking. Um, and uh, the the kind of word on the street is that uh, it went uh, straight to the president through the television, uh, and then he demanded action. Uh, he mobilized a team, some great people in the White House, uh, and they were able to actually go from 
uh, first realizing that this is a problem through the story on Tucker to issuing the initial executive action within 72 hours. And, you know, I, whatever you think about the president, there's a lot of different views, even on the right. Um, I don't think that any other Republican that was running in 2016 would take action against critical race theory. And I'm almost 100 percent certain that it wouldn't happen uh, with that kind of speed and decisiveness. I absolutely agree with that. It's, it's absolutely true. They've been ap completely cowed by uh, racial attacks. Chris Rufo, Christopher Rufo, really good talking to you. Congratulations. Great job. That was really a, that's a great story and you broke it really well. Thank you so much. Uh, good to see you. You too. You can you can find uh, Chris on, at his website, but you can also find him at City Journal. Uh, really, really terrific piece of work. He's a really good reporter. He's been covering the riots in Seattle as well. I got to stop there. The Clavenless weekend is upon you, uh, except if you're an all access member. I'll be on all access tonight. Then the Clavenless weekend will be on you as well. And you're doomed. <laughs> but I'll see you on Monday. Should you on the off chance that you survive, I will meet you here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm. 